Well, I mentioned earlier when I was introducing myself to you guys that we are three days into summer vacation. And I got to tell you, I love summer. You know what I mean? I don't have off from work. It's not, I'm not a school teacher and I'm not in school, but I am just so thankful to have a reprieve from making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I don't have to pack a lunch. I know. And I'm thankful, you know, thank God the traffic's let up a little bit, right? That's, oh, so you guys drove on Research Forest to get here. Yes. So that's, I just love the summertime because it kind of gives us a little bit of break and the weather's great. We get out and enjoy the pool. But the best part about summertime for our family is vacation. And I remember I was uh, listening to Dr. James Dobson, who's with Focus on the Family. He is a wonderful counselor, an amazing author, Christian psychologist. And he said, you know, it doesn't matter how much money you have. He said, it's so important that as a family, you take a vacation. Even if you just take the kids to the free museums in the city where you live, you pack a lunch and you eat at the park, that you just as a family prioritize time together. And that's where childhood memories are made and it'll cement your bonds. And so Todd and I are big believers in that. You know, you don't have to have a big budget to have a great vacation. And we love doing road trips. We can tear up the road trip. You know what I mean? And we, Todd has three indispensable guides, Todd's my husband, in determining how we're going to route ourselves to a destination. And I'm going to share his secret with you guys. Those three indispensable guides are first and foremost Southern Living Magazine. Because he's going to find out where the best eateries are in the South. You know what I mean? He's going to find out those places that the health department doesn't even know exists. And we are going to eat there. And then he checks Texas Monthly. Because you know what? Texas is its own country. Southern living can't even... Oh, there's that amen, my first one. There we go. He's going to check Texas Monthly. And for a while, Todd was eating his way through the top 50 burgers in the state of Texas. And I think he made it through like 35. And I was like, hey, honey, you got to call it quits. You know what I mean? Like our children are young and the life insurance doesn't pay me that much, you know? So just take a break. And she's like, yeah, I'm kind of tired of burgers anyway. So he's moved up to fried chicken. (laughs) So now we we are eating our way through all the fried chicken joints in America. And the third indispensable guide... So we've got Gart, we've got Texas Monthly, we've got Southern Living. The third one is Garden and Gun Magazine. Garden and Gun Magazine. I'm telling you, if you're not from the South, if you will get those three magazines, you can fake it at any party, anytime, anywhere. So we are on this fried chicken pursuit in our family, and we took a road trip, and Todd rerouted us off of the interstate to this place in Nashville, Tennessee. I was like, Todd, we're heading to Louisville, Kentucky. Why are we stopping in Nashville, Tennessee? He's like, Sarah, this is the best fried chicken. Not in the state of Tennessee. Not in the Southeast United States. He got a box of tissues. This is the best fried chicken in America. And I was like, are you serious? So he plugs it into our GPS and we pull up to a place. I knew you guys wouldn't believe me if I described it to you. So the guys are going to put it on the screen here. Would you eat at a restaurant that looked like that? I am, look at, if you guys, it's called Bailey and Cato Family Restaurant. Look at my five-year-old's face there in the corner. 
he eats chicken nuggets every day of his life. He's not a real picky eater. And he's looking at that place like, seriously, mom and dad? Like, we're really going to eat here? And the thing I love about it is that if you look at that upstairs window, oh, I'm pretty sure that thing's been gone a long time. That is not a new piece of plywood, people. So we, we get out of the car and lock the doors, of course, because these places are always in the best parts of town. You know what I mean? And we walk in there, and you don't pay attention to where they're cooking the food. And we put it in our mouths. No kidding, best fried chicken I've ever eaten in my life. It was incredible, worth it, worth the detour. And you couldn't judge a book by its cover because it's pretty amazing. So second place, Todd reroutes us. We just celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. Very excited. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, like Indiana Jones says, it's not the age, it's the mileage. <laughs> so we, uh, we enjoyed a uh, night away. My parents kept the kids, and we were in Virginia. And so there's this beautiful town in Charlottesville. That's how you say it when you're in Virginia, Charlottesville. And uh, this is the home of Thomas Jefferson, you know, the author of the Declaration of the Independence, the, you know, founder of the University of Virginia, which is how you say it when you're there. But uh, we pull up to this place. It's my 10-year anniversary. He's like, Sarah, I'm going to take you somewhere so special. And I'm thinking to myself, special? Now, girls, let's be honest with each other. Special means a tablecloth and candles. Can I get an amen on that? All right. Well, let me show you what special is to uh, special is to Todd. There it is. Wayside Old Virginia Fried Chicken. Now, what you can't see on that sign is it says you get more cluck for your buck. <laughs> we pull in that place. It makes the Flying J Travel Center look like Perry's. I walk in there and I'm going to say, I said, Todd, what? He said, it's number three, number three on Southern Living, Sarah. Number three on Southern Living. We got to try this. Ten years of marriage for, for more cluck for your buck. This is what I get. So I'm a good sport. You know, I eat the fried chicken and again, it's pretty decent, but you know, that's the joy of a road trip. You know, you get to eat in interesting places. You get to see interesting things. But the other thing that's great about a road trip is you get to see America. And you get to see the people who live in America, right? Anybody here like to people watch? Anybody here from East Texas? You want to admit it? Oh, Dwayne. God bless you, brother. So we are driving on Highway 59. You guys know where that is, up through East Texas. And I'm at a stoplight because, you know, you have like these speed traps. I mean, small towns, like every so many miles. I pull up at a stoplight and I look to my right. And let me show you what I saw. I took a picture of it. That is what I call a redneck luggage rack. She has got a laundry basket bungee corded to the top of her car. Necessity is the mother of invention. And so I was like, you know what, Todd? We wouldn't get this in an airport. We wouldn't see this on a train. This is what a road trip is all about. You get to see America and the ingenuity of the American people. And Todd said, you better hope that that bungee cord holds or we're all going to see Jesus. And I was like, good point. Let's get on the other lane. But the road trip is is just a great part of the American dream. And so tonight I want to talk to you about road trips because at the end of the day, everyone who's drawing breath on this planet is on a road trip. 
Whether you admit it or not, we are all on a journey and we are all headed for a destination. And so I want to talk tonight about how we lock on to where a target of where we should be going and so that we can be encouraged in the journey. Because this is the deal. I think a lot of people look forward to living with Jesus once they go to heaven. But the fact of the matter is we can live with Jesus here and now because he tells us in his word that in me, you live and move and have your being. And so this whole road trip, this whole road trip experience is not about us killing time until we die and get to heaven, but it's about us learning who we are in Christ, learning more about our Savior so that we can actually enjoy heaven more. And so tonight I want to talk to you about that, about the journey we're all on, the road trip we're all on, and we're going to talk about how we can just really, you know, wring the life out of it. Let's have a good time. Let's eat all the 50 burgers. Let's hit the fried chicken joints. And let's try not to get behind the chick with the laundry basket on top of her car, okay? So you've got your Bibles. You've got it turned to Matthew chapter 7. And I am going to read from the Amplified Bible in verse 13. And it says here in the Word, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and spacious and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many are those who are entering through it. But the gate is narrow, contracted by pressure, and the way is straightened and compressed. Everybody say compressed. Compressed, compressed that leads away to life, and, are, and few are those who find it. So we're just going to sip on that word tonight. We're going to kind of break that scripture down and just kind of, you know, eat the marrow out of that word. And so if you're taking notes tonight, my first point is that there are only two gates. That's great news because I tend to think that in today's day and age, we overthink it a little bit. You know what I mean? We think there's, there's many different options, but at the end of the day, Matthew 7 says that there's two. There's the narrow gate and the wide gate. And I think, you know, with our culture, we're just so used to choices. We're so used to variety and and competition that it's hard for us to put our heads around the fact that there are just two gates, that there's just two paths. And to kind of make my point about variety, I'm a Kroger shopper. I don't know where you guys shop, but have you guys been down the toilet paper aisle at Kroger or H-E-B? There's like an entire aisle of toilet paper, and it all does the same thing. You know what I mean? There's Charmin, there's Quilted Northern, there's Angel Soft, there's the generic. I don't know who buys that. I don't know who buys that. But I was reading, and it says here that Americans spend $3.7 billion on toilet paper a year. And that doesn't include Walmart, which I think they tend to sell a lot of toilet paper. It says here, 93% of households bought toilet paper. Now, this raises a very interesting question. (laughs) I was not a math major in college, but I know that's not 100. (laughs) And so I start to wonder, what are the other 7% doing? And we have never refused anyone at Celebration Church. All are welcome here. But if you're part of that 7%, you could be the first. You know what I mean? And my hope is that the 7% are at the Methodist Church two blocks east on Research Forest Drive. You know what I mean? They're not here. 
So 93% of American households buy toilet paper. This is the deal. The average American uses 1.5 miles of toilet paper a year. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I think you'll think twice the next time you go in there, huh? My kids use about 5.6 miles of toilet paper a piece. But the fact of the matter is, is that we're just, we love choices. That's the American way, the consumer way. We love variety. We love competition. And right now, the biggest ploy that the enemy uses is not to say no to God. He's, he's not going to say, oh, you don't want love. You don't want, you know, unconditional sacrifice. You don't want provision. His job is to just get you to say yes to everything he can. Jesus and. That's his goal. He just knows you won't turn God down outright. Chances are you won't. But he can crowd his voice out. He can make your life so full that you don't have any room to entertain the Spirit of God. And so his job is not to say, hey, there's two roads and there's two gates. His ploy is to say, yeah, there's many gates. There's many roads. There's lots of competition. It's the toilet paper aisle at Kroger. You can have soft. You can have woven. You can have quilted, whatever you want. And so that's the enemy's first lie to us is that... Don't say no to God. Just say yes to a lot of other things. When I'm having a conversation with someone and I hear something like, uh, I know the word of God says, but I feel, or yes, Jesus and, I immediately hear like every other word that they're saying because this is what sounds what it sounds like in my head. You know, flag on the field, flag on the field. Because at the end of the day, it's not Jesus and, it's not the word of God and, it's just that way. You have two choices and it's a narrow gate and a wide gate. And so we just have to rest in that, that that's good news for us. We don't have to overcomplicate it. We have a very clear choice. The the deal with the, the church today, I think, and in Christendom, not Celebration Church, but just our body, is that all-inclusive is the new black. You know how every year you hear about the new black and it turns out it's just like the old black? Because black is black is black. The color doesn't change a lot in fashion. But all-inclusiveness is the new black. And so we have to just be on our guard and wary that actually there's two gates, there's two destinations. And I love what it says in John 10, 9. It says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. This is what I love about this scripture. I call it the famous neighbor. You know, there's scriptures that you and I have heard preachers preach or that we've read or that we've seen on bumper stickers and on magnets, but then we never read the verse before it or the verse after it. You know what I mean? It's like that's the famous verse, but we don't know the neighbor. Like everybody here has heard that God is love, right? 1 John 4, 8. Well, then the verse before it said, He that loveth not, knoweth not God. For God is love. It's like, whoa, 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 (laughs) whoa. God is love, yeah. And if you don't love, you don't know God. We don't know the neighbor next door. We only know the famous cousin. You know what I mean? And so here it is in John 10. It's like the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. We know that one, right? We just don't know the neighbor next door where it says, I am the gate. And he who enters in through me will be saved. 
He will come in and go out and find pasture. This is the deal. I look at this verse, and I love it because it paints God not as a warden. He's not sitting there in a a tower with a spotlight and a whistle and barbed wire fences, you know, like, hey, boys, we got an escapee on level four. No, he's not the warden. He's the gate. You come in, you go out, you find pasture, you find rest. And it means our choice is truly free will. He's not manipulating your emotions. He's not tricking you into some kind of lifestyle. But he's simply a gate that opens and closes, protects and lets us into rest and lets us into pasture. So that's the good news. There's two gates, and we have to choose wisely. Amen? All right, so my second point is this. So we've got there's two gates, and then my second point is it's a tough squeeze. It's a tough squeeze. You know, Jesus is the road, and everyone on this planet has a spark in them that makes them hunger to know their creator. And when I look at this verse, I'm reminded of when Paul uh, was talking to the, the people of Athens, and he's walking through the city, and he's so discouraged because he's like sees all of these idols, and they're worshiping all these other gods, and then he sees this idol you know, set up for an unknown god. And he's, he's talking to the people, and it says in, in Acts that, he's, that the people of Athens spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. That sounds a lot like America today, doesn't it? You know, I, I don't get to watch the news very often. I read it online a lot. But I remember uh, Monday, I sat down to watch, like, Brett Baer on the Fox News channel, the 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock news. And I was, like, 10 minutes into the news. And my daughter's like, can we please turn the channel to, to Disney Channel? And I'm like, I, before I could say anything, my son was sitting in my lap. He said, don't you want to know what's going on in the world? <laughs> And I was like, you know what, maybe we should turn the channel. (laughs) Maybe the five-year-old's watching it a little too closely. But cable news is sort of like what the people of Athens were in Paul's day. They love to talk and listen about the latest ideas. And the the, the narrow gate, it says it's a tight squeeze. It reminds me of, of Acts 17, 26. And Paul writes, From one man, this is Adam, he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. For God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. It's one of those famous neighbor verses, right? You know what? We read the the last part. In him we live and move and have our being. But the neighbor next door says, let me tell you how crazy, crazy, crazy in love God is with you. That he knew exactly the time and the era that you should be born. He put you on this planet in exactly the right time in history. And then he says, I'm going to do you one better. I'm not going to just put you in the right time in history. I'm going to put you in the right country. Because I've appointed men boundaries and lands. And I'm doing all of that because you can reach out for me and know me, though I'm not far, because in me you live and move and have your being. So God says, you know what? I'm going to make this real easy. I'm going to give you two gates. I'm going to give you two paths, and then I'm going to stack the deck for you. 
so that you have an incentive to pick the right one. I'm going to put you in the right time in history where you can hear me and know me and reach out to me. And then I'm going to do you even one better. I'm going to put you in the right country. And I'm going to make sure that you can reach out to me and know me. That's how crazy in love our God is. And so when we say, man, why, why is the narrow way a tight squeeze? You guys remember what the Amplified Bible said. It says it's compressed. Why has it got to be so hard? Why has it got to be so tight? I want to answer that question, but I'm going to need a little help from my really good-looking assistants, Pastor Dwayne and Sam Granberry. And they're going to bring me a little illustration up here. But the way is tight, not because God wants to make it hard for you. We assume that. Like, man, it's like pledging a sorority or it's like pledging a fraternity. You know, only the strong make it, the really good make it. But we're going to talk about why the gate is tight and why the road is tight. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Does anyone recognize the little fella on this bag? Tell me on the count of three who it is. One, two, three. Bucky's. I got to tell you, I was, I was new to Bucky's until I moved to Texas. And I'm here to tell you, I'll never be the same. <laughs> you know, when they first told me about it, I'm like, for real, it's a gas station, y'all. And then I came to learn, no, 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 no. It is not a gas station. It is a mecca of clean potties and endless slurpees. Amen? I have family that when they visit us, we drive to Madisonville so they can experience the Bucky's. So when you're on your road trip, people have their own little, like, favorite thing that they like to get. You know what I mean? They like to get their little thing. So uh, let's see here. Who here, if you're on a road trip, you got to have one of these? The IC. Oh, yeah. Got some people back here. This is a go-to for Owen Stevens. And typically, he drinks about this much, and he wears about the other half. So that's, that's the go-to for Owen. All right. Who here, okay, this is a weird one. I do not know who buys these. Who here gets the single pickle? Girl, come on and have this. This is yours. I'm not going to eat it. The single pickle. I have always seen these and not known who would actually eat them. So congratulations. I'm so glad you came to church tonight. There you go. I tell you what, what else do I have in my bag? You guys want to know what your pastor wants on a road trip? (laughs) Because he's not here. Okay, right here. He won't eat anything, but this man will drink coffee like it is nobody's business. Eight o'clock at night, midnight, it's empty, fellas. I don't have anything in it. So, but (laughs) the boys are like, me, me, me. I'm like, yes, your mother would love for me to give you a cup of coffee at eight o'clock at night. But he will drink coffee nonstop. In fact, that's why I think people come to Celebration Church. You may be drawn by the Holy Spirit, but it's probably your addiction to caffeine. That's how you can relate to our pastor. So what else? Oh, you want to know what your pastor's wife loves on a road trip? Corn nuts. Anybody here love corn nuts? Issa Vega loves corn nuts. I rode with Allie Mazapique on a road trip. I thought she was chewing gravel for two and a half hours. I was like... What is that? She's like, oh, these are delicious. I was like, it must be a Canadian thing. I cannot get it. You sound like you're eating gravel. All right, this is my favorite thing. Who here is into Doritos? Oh, see, this is where we're having a good time tonight. Our spirits are bearing witness with each other. You know what I mean? This is what I love about the Buckies. 
It's not the giant family bag because I'm conscious about calories. And it's not the tiny lunch portion because for real, I'm a grown woman. It is the bucky size in between. I won't feel guilty for eating the whole thing and it's not so big I have to share. Amen? That is the Bucky's. All right, we got some more in here. Oh, Sour Patch Kids. Oh, you know what? I know that Jessica Rangel, this is the only thing she wants to eat when she's pregnant. So let's give these to her. This is, uh, let's feed her craving. Enjoy. Enjoy. All right, what else do we have in here? Who here? Uh, sunflower seeds. Oh, yeah. No, I can't spit them. Oh, that's Isaiah. I can't, I'm not, I don't think I've got enough dexterity in my mouth. You know, the baseball players, how they can spit the shells out and stuff. My mama raised a lady. I can't do that. You know what I mean? I'd like to learn because it would save me a lot of time, but that's where I'm at. Now, I got to know right now, how many Coke drinkers do we have in this place? Okay. Okay. Raise your hands up high. Who's a Pepsi drinker? Oh my, Isaiah, come up. We're going to give an altar call right now. We're going to pray a spirit of deliverance on the Pepsi drinkers. You know what I mean? Coca-Cola is the way to go. I love it. And don't show me all the internet stuff. I know that it's carcinogenic and I will ask the Lord to heal me. All right. Here's another one. How many of you guys are into the beef jerky? Oh yeah. Slim Jims aren't real beef jerky. I don't think. I'm pretty sure. It's like somebody like dug up a shoelace from 1945. You know what I mean? I went through this whole carb-free stage for a while. You guys don't know this, but Todd's my second husband. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I killed the first one when I was carb-free. But no, 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 no. No, but the beef jerky, Texans are serious about their beef jerky. And then peanut brittle. Oh, yeah, I heard Sly say something. Now, here's another one. This is what I see, monster energy drinks on a road trip. I'm not giving this to you either, boys. The eight year, <laughs> the boys at 8 o'clock are like, yeah, 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 school's out, school's out. I'll take it. And then five-hour energy. Anybody do that? I can, yeah, the boys are like, me, me, me. No, no. When we ask about, you know, why is the way narrow? Why does it feel compressed? The deal is, is that most people, when they go on a road trip, they love to stock up on all of these things. And they're good things, and they're fun things, and they're things that make the journey, you know, pleasant, and they they entertain us. And I'm not saying they're bad things. I should get a cut from Bucky's for the commercial I just gave them. But to apply it in the spiritual world, the reason the way feels so compressed is that there's not a lot of room for our flesh on the narrow road. You know, we want to take our pride with us. We want to take our will. We want to take our hurt. Jesus, forgive me, but I can't forgive them. We want to take our offense with us. We want to take all of the things that satisfy a craving of our flesh with us on this road trip. And the fact of the matter is that the narrow way is compressed because Jesus is in the business of killing your flesh. And you feel this compression on the narrow road, not because he wants to make it tough, but because he wants to make you like himself. 
And so we sit here on this narrow road and we're like, gosh, I feel this constraining. And it's the restraining work of the Holy Spirit to make you more and more and more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So we're here on this uh, journey And I I was thinking about constraining. I was thinking about pressure. And you know the briquettes that you take home from the grocery store every week to put in your grill? Well, those briquettes and the diamond ring that you're wearing on your finger, if you're married or engaged or maybe a tennis bracelet or a pair of earrings that you would like to give Sarah Stevens, whatever you have, (laughs) that coal briquette and those diamonds have the exact same carbon base the exact same molecule structure. But what happens to the diamond is that after years of pressure, those molecules line up in perfect order and it crystallizes and turns into a stone that you can see through, a stone that can cut glass, a stone that can cut earth. There's nothing stronger than the diamond versus the coal briquette that's still full of a lot of junk that'll burn and get smoky and kind of smell. But at the end of the day, they started off the same. But one was willing to endure the pressure. One was willing to be crafted and to be molded and to stay on the narrow road so that it could be made into something precious and enduring and willing to withstand any amount of heat and pressure. And you and I, when we're on the narrow road, that's our choice. We can take all this stuff with us, and stay a coal briquette, or we can look at the Lord and say, you know what? I'm willing to take the heat. I'm willing to take the pressure. I'm willing to let you not just give me something to live for, but to give me order in my life so I can live it. And those molecules line up. Amen, that's a good time to clap. Those molecules line up, and then all of a sudden we notice there are things in our lives that start lining up, things we have to give away, things we can't hold on to, friendships we can't keep, jokes we can't listen to, movies we can't watch. It's not can't, can't, can't. We don't see that. We just see ourselves aligning perfectly with the one we reflect. Amen? Amen. All right, well, I'm going to close with this third point, and Isaiah is going to come up and help me play. And uh, my last point, and if you're taking notes, it's only a few find it. And I was really struggling with this, and I was meditating on it, and I was reading. I was trying to kind of figure it out. Like, Lord, okay, you make it easy. You give us two roads. Then you stack the deck for me so that I can find the right road. You put a spark in me that makes me chase you even though you're not far off. And then at the end of the verse, it says, only a few find it. Lord, how does that happen? How is it that only a few find it? And I was reminded of a poem I had to memorize when I was in the sixth grade in Mrs. Mansfield's English Lit class. (laughs) And I'm going to read it to you tonight. And I bet it's one you've heard before. But it's called Robert Frost, Two Roads. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other as just as fair and perhaps having the better claim. 
because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that the passing there had warned them about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood and I, I took the one last traveled by, and that has made all the difference. We sit here and we see in scripture this beautiful illustration of two roads in the same way that Robert Frost in the 19th century pins this poem about two roads. And he says, the, the crossroads is worn the same, and one road is trodden black and the other isn't. And he's trying to decide which road to take. And he says, I took the one less traveled by, and that has made all the difference. I think the reason that few make it is that only a few have the courage to take the road that offers to change them. A lot of us sit at a crossroads and we want to take the road that offers to get us to where we're going faster. But when we sit here and we weigh the balance and the choices, the road that'll get you there with all of your fun and the road that'll change you, and turn you from coal to diamond. Now that's a little something different, because that takes constraining, that takes pressure, and that takes metamorphosis. And I think the reason only a few find it is that few have the courage to take the road less traveled by. You know, I think the struggle, and this is, you know, kind of my invitation tonight as well, is one that that Jeannie Mayo shared. I don't know if it was on Sunday or maybe it was in a meeting I had with her. But she said, Christians sometimes get frustrated because the victory for us is not in the destination, just like I've shared with you tonight. The victory for us isn't in getting to heaven. The victory for us is that we never threw in the towel. That spiritual life, our success, is that we stayed in the fight. Not that we arrived or we got to this place where we knew half of the New Testament or that our churches are billions of people or that our, you know, our bank account says a certain amount. But the victory for us is that we just never gave up, that we took the road less traveled by, that constraining road, that changing road, and we just stayed in the fight and we weren't willing to take the exit. I think another reason aside from courage, that people choose not to take that other road is that our emotions tend to get in the back seat and yap, 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 yap. You guys ever taken small children on a road trip? First thing they say, are we there yet? I'm like, children, we just got on Research Forest Drive. (laughs) What do you mean you want another snack? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And our emotions do the same thing to us. You know, emotions are real. They are valid. You will feel hurt. You will feel anger. You will feel tired. You will feel hungry. Those are real things. But here's the kicker. We don't take counsel from our emotions. Our emotions don't tell us where we are going and how to get there. You know, our emotions sit in the back seat and we give them a granola bar and put on a movie and we keep driving. Just like we do in real life. 
That's what we do with our emotions. So Isaiah, as your team comes up, that's the challenge I want to present you with, that the road less traveled is usually not chosen because of a matter of courage or that our emotions choose to beg us to take an exit way before our time. So as you stand tonight, I want to close with with this thought. You know, I didn't know if I was going to share this tonight, but I just feel like I should. Some people think that because only a few find it, that their lot in life is to be lonely. I want to hear, I want to tell you, and I shared at the beginning, that at Celebration Church, we say, give us a year of your life. You'll never be the same. We want you to live life with us. We want you to to grow with us and have ministry with us. And we do that by by working together in the kingdom. And so a lot of people go, yeah, I'm on this road, and you want to talk about a few find it. Sarah, I can't. There's nobody in my rearview mirror. I'm in this thing alone. I want to be here and tell you that Proverbs says that a wise man finds friends. And if that's your heart tonight, if you feel like, yeah, I'm on the straight and narrow, but I'm just a little bit lonely, I want to speak encouragement to you to go be the friend that you want someone else to be to you, that spirits attract each other. And if you are the type of person and you have the, 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 if you start serving others as you want to be served, then all of a sudden you're going to wake up and you're going to realize you do have friends for the journey. Jesus was on this planet for 33 years and he did not do it alone. He had friends that invited him to weddings that we don't even know their names. We just know that they thought Jesus was a fun guy and wanted to have him at their wedding. And we know some of the apostles' names and some of them we don't know, the 70 he sent out. But if Jesus, the Son of God, could not walk the narrow road along and alone, then neither should we and neither can we. So I wanna speak to that even though a few find it doesn't mean you have to be lonely. And so my invitation tonight is really very simple. It's that maybe you're at a crossroads and you're trying to determine the road you should take. I want to pray for you tonight. I want to encourage you on the narrow road. And others of you, you're like, look, Sarah, I'm constrained and I understand he's changing me into this diamond, but I just need encouragement. I just need to hold on and to trust him to finish the work that he started in me. And that's your promise. He is faithful and will complete the work that he's begun in you. And then I feel like there's this last last leg of people who say, you know what? Only a few find it. I need a friend for the journey. I need a friend for a journey. I'll tell you this. They, I remember I was talking to a wise woman. She had three sons. I have one. And she said, Sarah, your son will never open up to you like your daughter does. Your son has to be doing something with you. So like when we're shooting basketballs or we're like doing a craft, that's when Owen tells me about his day. That's when he shares his heart with me. Well, for you and I, it's the same way. You know, well, how do I just go make a friend? Well, you join the hospitality team and all of a sudden you connect with people because you're doing or you're teaching Sunday school and you're doing. It's the same thing for us. We, we, we live life together by building the kingdom together. Amen.